I thought you had to have 10,000 followers to even be accepted into any of these affiliate programs. Like I was totally focused on content building, building my following versus trying to monetize. It wasn't about that for me initially. So I've definitely come a long way and learned a lot, but I was very ignorant at first, I will admit. This is not your average business podcast because here we are going to discuss how you hit your goals without losing yourself, your values, or your relationships along the way. We believe in the whole person versus the long-term hustle approach and demonstrating to our children what living a life full of purpose is truly about. We're here for the woman who is an aspiring entrepreneur, developing her personal brand, and staying open to the opportunities that come before her. We're here for the woman yearning to find businesses that align with her, her core being, so she can feel in alignment with her life. Come on this journey with us as we navigate this very full season and pursue a life we love. Are you feeling stuck? Are you searching for a greater purpose? Are you craving connection? Perfect. You are in the right place and we're excited to get you one step further than you are today. I'm here today with Maggie Ogiak from Everyday Best Buy. Maggie started her account in January 2021 while on maternity leave with her second child. Over the past one and a half years, I've watched her account grow and grow, and I've been so proud of her ability to network and ask family, friends, and followers for help along the way, which we're going to get into today. Maggie, I'd love it if you started by telling us a little bit more about yourself and the reason you wanted to start Everyday Best Buy. Yeah. So I'm Maggie. I am the face behind Everyday Best Buy and just a little bit more about myself. So I was born and raised in Wisconsin and then went to college at UW-Madison. And that is where I met my husband, Mike. And we still live in Wisconsin, just outside Milwaukee. And we have two kids. My son is four years old and my daughter is a year and a half. After college, I started working at Kohl's Corporate in retail and I was there for 14 years. And like Amy said, about 18 months ago, it was winter of 2021 is when I started Everyday Best Buy. And it was the winter and I was at home with a newborn and had a lot of time in my own thoughts. And I'm at this place in my life where I'm making a lot of first-time purchases. As a mom, as a homeowner, you have to buy a lot of practical products that you know nothing about. And so I had this idea to create a space where I could become a trusted resource and really share those product recommendations. And that is how Everyday Best Buy was born. I think by the way that you say Wisconsin, we can hear that (laughs) you're from Wisconsin, which I I do too. (laughs) Yes, 100%. My siblings both moved away and they're like, oh my gosh, you still have such a Midwest accent. Okay. That's awesome. And I remember when you were first starting your account, I got a message from you and you asked me, Amy, will you share this account? Here's my goal for it. Here's what I'm going to do. And I did it. Crystal and I took a really similar approach when we started Expecting and Empowered. We actually emailed every friend we could think of, the family members that we think would support it, even colleagues since we were both in healthcare. And we said, will you guys share Expecting and Empowered on the day that it comes out? We really wanted to do like guerrilla marketing with our own network. So I want you to take us back to that time. Were you specific about who you asked? And also, were you nervous when you were asking people to share your account? Yeah. So I'm someone that just like surrounds myself with community. And it's really important to me that I have that community like 
on my side. So I think at first I reached out to my personal network. So including family and friends, and you were part of that network because we have a connection through my husband. And so I just shared and was like, I'm starting this passion project. I would love for you guys to follow along. And this was before I had any content out there. It was just like an idea. And then I remember the first time I posted you so graciously shared me on your story and I was blown away by like the power of influence. It was very clear to me that you had a very loyal following because I got like 700 people following me that first day. And thank you, first of all, for doing that. But that really gave me the motivation to really recognize it's very critical to have people with that kind of power of influence to share me. So was I nervous? Yes. I think it's even more nerve wracking to be vulnerable in front of the people that you know in your life, that it is complete strangers. So yes, I was like putting myself out there in a space like social media that I knew nothing about. And so I think though, I recognized that I had to put my shame and nerves aside because even if I asked 10 people to share me and only one of them does, it could be worth it. I kind of took the example of you sharing me as my motivation to be like, this can be so powerful. It's okay if eight out of 10 people don't share me. But for those that did, I was really grateful because that has really paid off. Our ego can definitely get in the way when we're like, okay, my friends are going to be like, oh, you're trying to be an influencer now. It's not really that respected of a profession amongst a lot of people our age, you know, we're mid thirties. So I can totally understand that. I do also remember that you said when you got those 700 followers, you were like, oh my gosh, I have to take this seriously. I have to get my stuff together. I want to make this work. It was really inspirational. Something that our community struggles with is a lot of times they want to have the perfect plan before they start. And something that we try to coach them through is like, you have to start. Eventually, you have to start. We're trying to push you out of the nest. You've got to get out there. You've got to try to build this. You don't have to have a one-year business plan. So I would love if you talked about starting before you were absolutely ready. Yes, absolutely. So I would say to begin with, I'm someone that's impulsive when I'm excited or like passionate about something. So I was really eager to get this idea out there to see if it had traction. I also was in this time frame of being on maternity leave where I had the time to put into it before I went back to my demanding corporate job. So I knew I needed to just do it and not look back. But I also knew I was entering a space like social media is a place where you have to be really agile. You have to be willing to ebb and flow. And so I knew two things. My two goals were to be really authentic to who I was, to show up like myself because the whole premise of my account was building trust with my followers. And secondly, I knew I needed to be consistent because consistency, everyone says, pays off over time, which is so true. Beyond that, I kind of was just experiencing it in real time and ebbing and flowing what I was doing based off of what my community was responding to, like how Instagram was changing over time. You have to be willing to be flexible, to be relevant in this space. And so I kind of just went for it. And obviously, you know, it paid off and I got into a rhythm, but that's changing all the time still. Right. And I do want to go back to networking for a second, because I do think it is one of your secret sauces. I mean, I think Mm -hmm. the reason that this has become so successful is you do a great job with your recommendations. And, you know, I feel like I can absolutely trust you, but you have 
networked along the way and you continue to do it. So I want to know, do you have a strategy for networking? How do you build that into your work time? What does that look like? Yes, I do have a strategy for networking. I would say my priority is really partnering with people that likely have a very similar audience than I do. So 99% of my followers are female and majority have children ages zero through five. So what I've really found is beneficial is networking with those that likely have a similar following, but offer a different resource to that audience. So people like Casey from Milestone and Motherhood or and Julie from Resilient Rascals, or I'm friends with a couple chefs who are moms that have kids my same age. And those are the people that I found most successful to partner with, do giveaways with, do collab posts with, because their audience is likely the same. And if we do giveaways or something, we're getting engaged followers because they're likely wanting, you know, the content that I'm providing. So that's definitely one of my strategies for networking. I also have a behind the scenes network that people probably don't know about. There's about eight or nine girls that I'm in a group with and we share daily, like a chat where we share tips and tricks on the behind the scenes of the app of affiliate marketing. We share experiences in working with brands. And to me, that has been extremely helpful because the world of social media and all of those things was very new to me. And so that has been very helpful for all of us. And all of us are product influencers in some capacity. So we're in the same like category, but we have different niches. How did you find that? One girl reached out to me. We had become friends and she was like, Hey, I'm going to start this group of girls and just, we're going to help each other with engagement and tips. Would you like to be a part of it? And I was so ignorant at that time and craving, like there's no handbook for this. I call this place the wild, wild west because it truly is. And so I absolutely was like, sign me up, like anything to help me. I was, you know, seeking. And then it's really interesting because I think for the people that are listening, so we have a mutual friend, Casey from Milestones and Motherhood. And Casey's account is very large. She's got over 300,000 followers. And then I think you're at about 22,000 right now. So were you intimidated to reach out to her? How did that work behind the scenes? Yes, absolutely. I mean, she started following me and it was like a fangirl moment because I had followed her on my personal account for years. And so we just started messaging and, you know, I didn't immediately ask her. It was like months after having built that relationship. And again, you kind of have to put your shame aside. And one day I was like, I'm just going to ask her what's the worst that can happen. She would say no to partnering on something. And she immediately was like, of course, I'll help you anything I can do to help your account. And I was just so blown away by her immediate response to help out. But it just shows you like, if you form connections, following doesn't matter. Cause I'm sure at one point she was in my shoes growing her followers. And I'm just grateful that she said yes. And I want to take a second to say, obviously also you're bringing something to her table because you guys have paired together a couple times now. So if she wasn't seeing some followers come her way and things like that, she probably wouldn't keep pairing with you. So sometimes when you have a smaller account, you have a very dedicated audience. Yeah. You know, I know that same thing with my account. It's like you have a very dedicated audience. So you have a lot to offer. So you can't always think of these big accounts as completely out of your league. Totally. I think that's something that has been very eye opening for me. The number of followers you have does not matter to a certain degree, as long as your community is engaged, is what's really important. 
Exactly. Okay. So we're going to back up a little bit. I think most interviewers probably would have started with this question, but you had a very solid corporate career working at Kohl's for 14 years. Your last title there was Senior Merchandise Manager for Juniors Apparel. We have a lot of people in your same shoes where they are in a corporate role right now, and they're really yearning to do something else, just like you were doing with Everyday Best Buy. One of the things that trips them up is they're thinking, okay, I spent 14 years at Kohl's. That's such a waste of time. Why would I leave that job? Like they just build all of this up in their head. And I was thinking, okay, I'd love the opportunity to ask Maggie, what did you learn from your corporate job that translated? And then also, where did you feel like a complete beginner when you started Everyday Best Buy? Yes, 100%. So, skills that were transferable, I would say, you know, when I worked at Kohl's, I was managing a multi million dollar business. And so, a lot of the same business skills, having to set a strategy, having to analyze results, having to have goals, all of those things are things that I've been able to transfer and things that I actually really like about the business side of this. So, I'm very results oriented. I also was working in an industry that was all about products. So that was hundred percent in tandem with what I'm doing right now. So I have, I would say a pretty innate product sense that I've been able to translate. Like my job was speaking about product attributes and what's working and what wasn't, and also understanding consumer behavior. So I've been able to translate that over to knowing like, when is my following going to be shopping for these certain things in our lives. I'm pretty in tune with consumer behavior in that regard. I used to lead, like I managed 12 people at one point and had to be kind of the voice of that team, just like I show up and I'm the voice behind Everyday Best Buy. So those things were really natural and I think have continued to help me in this new job. But what I was completely a beginner to was all things social media. So I did not know anything about affiliate marketing, about creating my own website, about creating a blog. All of that was new. And there also was no one-stop shop to learn that. So that took me a solid, I would say nine months to really figure out. And my priority at first was not about monetizing this. Actually, you were the one that reached out to me and was like, have you thought about monetizing this after like three months of doing this? And I was like, I thought you had to have 10,000 followers to even be accepted into any of these affiliate programs. Like I was totally focused on content building, building my following versus trying to monetize. It wasn't about that for me initially. So I've definitely come a long way and learned a lot, but I was very ignorant at first, I will admit. Okay. So you've only been doing this for a year and a half. I remember that conversation. I was like, why don't you toss an affiliate link for that (laughs) Amazon recommendation? (laughs) Because I knew that you totally could. But I love this because you went from that to you just left your corporate job of 14 years. So Mm -hmm. I want to know when you started this, was that plausible? Like, were you even thinking, I would love to get out of corporate? I would love to do this full time. And then I think a lot of people that are in your shoes want to know, okay, how did you make that final decision? Was it based in analytics? Were you trying to replace your salary at Kohl's? Like, how did you and your husband make that decision that you could leave corporate America for this? Yeah. So when I started Everyday Best Buy, I honestly, of course, it was a dream that this could have become my job. But I realistically in that moment probably thought it was a five plus year 
goal. I was very ignorant, like I said, to how you could monetize it and also had this perception that you needed like a hundred thousand followers to make a solid income on this. So it was really until about a year after starting it. So January of this year is when I truthfully, I was very burned out at my corporate job. I liked my role. I liked the people I worked with a ton, but I'm in this place in my life where I was craving more control over my work-life balance, more flexibility with my family. And I just wasn't feeling fulfilled in the way that I used to. And so my husband has been like my number one cheerleader from day one. So he sat me down in January and was like, Maggie, if you've been able to accomplish this much while working a full-time job, being a mom of two, having all of this on your plate, imagine what you could do if this was your full-time job. Like I knew that in the back of my head, but I think it took him like, having that conversation with me and giving me that permission to think even that way short term. And that's when I started to really think about it as a short-term goal, not this five-year goal. So that's when I started an LLC. I hired an accountant. I met with our financial advisor. Like I didn't want to be naive to what it would mean to be self-employed because I had a very stable job. I had worked, like you said, for 14 years to build this career of mine that you know, I didn't want to just give up without knowing I was going to set myself up for success with Everyday Best Buy. So I think when I had that mental shift, things really started to fall into place for me. Like financially, things started to become a lot more lucrative. I got accepted into programs. I had opportunities to kind of come into my plate that I had been working at. So things really started to fall into place, but it wasn't a hundred percent like I need to comp the salary right now. It was more that perspective of, okay, if I've been doing it all along while having a job, imagine what I can do. And that kind of was my motivation to make it happen. And then five months later is when I quit my job. For those of you that are listening, the really interesting thing for Maggie and I is that we talk a lot behind the scenes. I have seen her at these different places. Mm -hmm. I remember one conversation when you're like, I think I need 60,000 followers. Right. And so, but like the evolution of, okay, this is kind of the wild west. Like you don't know what your numbers were going to be. I remember when you said that, I was like, I don't think that that's true because both you and I have really experienced. Yes. We're trying to grow, but you're trying to grow wide. I always say it's like you don't just want a follower, you want a follower that is actually really engaged with your content, your recommendations. They're there for it. So, we are going to move into some Instagram questions because that is a big part of your business. I've been doing Instagram for six years now. And I have always said, I don't think that the everyday consumer of Instagram understands all the behind the scenes, how challenging it is, how much it changes everything that we go through as content creators. So I'm going to kind of rapid fire some questions at you. I'm really excited for your answers. So what is your strategy as far as how much you post in your feed versus how much you post in your stories? Yep. So that has evolved a lot over time. So if you followed me from the start, I used to post a new product every single day. And then in stories, I would just add more about that product and kind of showcase that. You also have to remember, I did not have the ability to link at all until I hit 10,000 followers. And so I spent the first 10 months working on a website and other ways that I could link. And so the feed was the most productive way for me to get that. Once I was able to link in stories, that's when I really 
transition to majority of my recommendations and stories. I reach a much broader audience in my stories daily than I do when I post a feed post. That has definitely why I transitioned to stories. And I think as a consumer on Instagram myself, I watch stories a lot more than I do Mm -hmm. scroll my feed. And so I think my followers are also changing their behaviors too. Do you still have an amount of times you want to post each week in your feed? Are you pretty much heavy stories now? I'm pretty heavy stories. I would say maybe twice a week in my feed, but it's not as much a strategy as it is. I mostly post roundups in my feed now. So multiple products that are like beach essentials where it's more than just one item or any guides like gift guides where you want to showcase things as a group, if that makes sense. For sure. Okay. What seems to be the best way to grow right now? Word of mouth, hands down. So I would say other people going on their stories and sharing either about my account or taking me based off of a product that I've recommended. So obviously when influencers do that organically, that's when I see the most growth, but anybody honestly sharing me in their stories has been the number one way. Do you ask your followers to share your account? I have a few times when I've been close to milestones, like hitting 10,000 or hitting 20,000. But I will say I have a pretty loyal following where oftentimes if people are using the products I've recommended, they're naturally sharing and tagging me on their own. That is so great. That's exactly what everyone should be aiming for. What do you think is the most time-consuming part of Instagram right now for you? Definitely content creation. So like I said in the beginning, I don't just share to share. Like I need to research the product. So that means a lot of times buying them, trying them out. And then once I've reviewed them, creating the actual content. So writing blog posts, creating you know, graphics for it, and then sharing it in stories. I don't think people realize, like you said, how much work goes in behind the scenes on some of those, you know, what seem like tedious parts of our job, but that is definitely, I would say the most time consuming. Yeah. They kind of like downplay influencing as a career. If you had to try to do this, it is not easy. It's time consuming. If you're doing it well, you really care about what you're recommending. So you're making sure it's a good recommendation. Okay. We are going to move on to something that's really important to a lot of our listeners. And like you said, you serve a lot of parents. So there are a lot of people that are doing a side hustle and they do want it to become a full-time business. Like you said in this interview, you are a mom of two. You had a very small baby and you were working a corporate full-time job. I went through a similar season when I was building Expecting and Empowered. I would love to know. I mean, I kind of feel like I black that out because I was so busy that you're like, how did I even do that? But Mm -hmm. if you could look back would you have any advice for a side hustler that has that really full plate, but they also have a dream like you had? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I would be lying if I didn't say it was a complete grind for 18 months. Like I was working at all times of day when I wasn't sleeping. I was enjoying everyday Best Buy that it didn't feel like, you know, another thing I had to do. So I also recognized, like you said, that I was working really hard in this moment in time to create a life and a balance that I had been seeking. And so I knew on the other side that it would be worth it. Also, you have to be on the same page as your partner from day one, because I was sacrificing a lot. Time with my family, time with my husband at night, you know, things that I was doing for myself, I gave up to really focus on everyday best buy. But 
my husband was on the same page. He was like my biggest cheerleader from day one. So he knew that that was my priority and he was okay with it. So I think communicating with your partner, your family is really critical. I also had like such a big hype squad of people in my corner that kept me motivated because there were absolutely days where I had self-doubt and was like, what am I doing? Why am I sacrificing this? You know, some days you're like, should I quit? But I feel like because I had this group of people that were my cheerleaders every single day, it really did motivate me to keep going at it. And now last month I quit my job and on that other side and looking back, it was all worth it because I knew it would create this flexibility that I was looking for in my life. I love that answer because as a business, we always want to say, we're not trying to sell that this is easy. I went through that grind season. You went through that grind season. It's such a hard balance because we don't want to glorify, you know, we're grind so hard, but we also, in some seasons, you have to do what it takes. I couldn't leave my nursing job until we felt like that was a good decision for our family. We had a mortgage. We had, you know, two kids going on three kids. Like we had to make sure that we were making really good decisions. And so there was that season that Drew and I had the same sacrifice. I would go to the coffee shop on a Saturday to work because that's when I had to do it, which kind of brings me to my next question, because for Kat, Abby, and I, we all have full-time childcare. We are entrepreneurs. And I think a lot of people blur the lines of like, once they go out on their own, they feel like they can also absorb some of the childcare. So I want to know what's your plan for childcare? What does that look like for you guys? Yeah. Well, first of all, I will say it's really hard to find consistent childcare these days. So I'm excited because in the fall, my son will start going four days a week and my daughter will go three days a week. So they'll go to childcare full days those days, which I'm really looking forward to because like you said, I really, I had been working at all hours of the day and I'm really excited to consolidate that time and be more intentional about when I'm working and when I'm not. The tricky thing about social media is you know, it's a 24 seven job. It's seven days a week. And so I can be working at all times, but I don't want to experience that burnout. And so I'm excited to have mom time and then to have, you know, work time because this summer I've been managing mostly the kids on my own. And I still feel like I'm in this phase of just fitting it in when I can, which has been very challenging, but I just am trying to give myself grace to enjoy this time because I'd never have had this time with my kids before. So do you and your husband, Mike, do you guys have any boundaries of like, okay, Maggie, you can put your phone down right now? Because I know, like you said, on Instagram, it's that constant being on stories every day and for a decent amount of the day really does help in the algorithm and helps keep you relevant. So do you have any days that you take completely off? Like, What are your strategies there? Saturdays are the slowest day on Instagram, actually, which is nice because then I can really kind of unplug and not worry because everyone else, like my followers are doing the exact same. So I show up on Saturdays, but it's a lot less, I would say. But I do really try to be intentional, especially at the end of the workday, five till the kids go to bed about being present with my family. I'm not perfect at it. I'm definitely working at it. And I think our daycare schedule come fall will really allow for me to definitely be more present when my family is around, which I'm so excited about. 
Yeah. Okay. I can't believe it, but we are already to our final question. And when I look at your business, which is largely based on Instagram, and it seems to be largely based on affiliate links, I'm wondering, do you have a place that you're looking to diversify? Are you thinking of doing more sponsorships in the future? Like, What is your plan? Yeah. So you're exactly right. Like almost a hundred percent of my revenue right now is based off of affiliate marketing. So commission that I earn when I share a link, but sponsorships are something that I am interested in, but I want to be very mindful about what I start to work towards because I, I always want it to be authentic to what I would have shared. So the ideal situation would be partnering with brands that I've already use in my life and share. That's the dream I would say, but I haven't had the time to, to reach out to brands on my own yet. So that is something that I'm excited to do for those brands that I love and use on my own already. Beyond that, I would say I have lofty, like long-term goals. And I think you and I have talked about this of like, you know, my background is in merchandising and fashion apparel. And I feel like, you know, my community, like I said, is women that are like, you know, mostly in their mid thirties that are looking for affordable, comfortable, trendy fashion. And it's hard to find a place that really serves that. And so I think I have goals of potentially creating my own line and brand of products um, because that would really marry like my exact experience with what I was doing in corporate retail with what I'm doing right now. So that's a dream. That's such an exciting dream. I can't wait to watch you do it. I love this interview because I think a lot of people are where you were a year and a half ago, and they're just starting to dream of doing something on their own. So I know that you've inspired so many people. I want you to tell everyone where they can find more of you. Yeah. So if you're on Instagram, my handle is at Everyday Best Buy. You can also check out my website is everydaybestbuy.net. Yeah. Thank you. This has been so much fun. Thank you for having me. If you guys enjoyed this episode, we would be honored if you shared it on Instagram, which is a place that we both hang out. So tag Everyday Best Buy and Pursuing Her Purpose.